Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday, the 11th of December, and I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are around Australia and indeed the world. Today, there are three big stories I want to talk about. The first is Labor will establish an environmental protection agency. Now, this agency will look to actually improve the state of Australia's environment, not just limit damage done by development. This is a big step in the right direction. And we should keep in mind where this has come from and how this has come to be, because the Morrison government was handed a review by Graham Samuel, the former head of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission back in 2020 that called for the establishment of an environmental protection agency to be a tough cop on the beat, to impose legally binding standards and to bolster protections of our national environment. The Morrison government did nothing with this. And in fact, we spoke to then Labor spokesperson for the environment, Terry Butler, about that review and about Labor's plans. So Labor had planned to implement an environmental protection agency as part of its election platform. And of course, this is a huge deal. This means that there there is now a mechanism, there is structure, there is institutional support to help achieve Labor's reforms of zero new extinctions. This is a big, big deal. Legislation will have to be drafted. It'll have to go to Parliament. That'll arrive about the middle of 2023. But of course, this means there'll be an independent government statutory agency to oversee environmental decisions, to make sure that the money that's put aside to offset damage will actually be spent on improving, improving our environment. The Labor government and Tanya Plibersek, who is the minister uh, responsible in this area, has said that they'll be establishing a nature repair market, which will allow businesses to invest in environmental restoration. These are big steps in the right direction. Tanya Plibersek has called it something like a green Wall Street. It'll also mean changes to how native logging is done and to ensure that our native forests are better protected. These are big, big steps in the right direction. Now, they'll have to go to Parliament, as I've already said. The Australian Conservation Foundation has said that the measure of success here will be whether or not Australia's extinction crisis comes to an end. The Business Council says they're happy to work with government on this, and the Labor Environment Action Network is calls this a great leap forward for Australia's wildlife and environment. Now, of course, the Greens and David Pocock will need to pass this in the Senate because fundamentally the coalition under Dutton is no different from the coalition under Morrison and they have already indicated they will they will oppose they will oppose an environmental protection agency with their usual rhetoric uh, about it costing economic growth and all the rest of it, which we know is not true, by the way. It's very, very clear from all the research that you can create 
jobs, you can create economic growth, you can do that better in an environment where people are able to, oh, I don't know, breathe the air and drink the water. However, the coalition doesn't want to be part of those discussions, so the Environmental Protection Agency will need to pass with the support of the Greens and David Pocock or potentially the Lambie Network as One Nation has also dealt themselves out. Look, it's a really great news story. It's a really great outcome that will happen in 2023. Now, speaking of things happening in 2023, we all know energy prices have been going up. Well, this week, National Cabinet met and Anthony Albanese and the Commonwealth Labor Government was able to secure an agreement with all of the states, including the Liberal state of New South Wales, to address the energy crisis that has been plaguing this country for a decade and, of course, has gotten worse since the start of the war in Ukraine. The upshot is this. There will be caps on the price of fuel that is used to generate electricity. So, for example, the there will be a cap on the price of gas. Now, I want to be really clear about a couple of things here. The market for electricity in Western Australia is very different to the rest of the country because in Western Australia, they've retained state ownership of generation and, and they have built into export licenses a gas reservation policy. So in WA, their energy problem is nowhere near the rest of the countries. In fact, they have some of the best quote unquote energy conditions in the world because they have retained state control, state ownership in some parts, control in others. Where the Liberals have managed to get in to the cupboard and strip the shelves of energy policy in the East Coast and at a Commonwealth level, we are seeing prices skyrocket. In fact, in June, the price of energy was $264 a megawatt hour. That is more than three times the price of a year earlier. In September, the price of gas was $26 a gigajoule. Now, before Australia was exposed to the global markets, before the laissez-faire approach of simply allowing private companies to extract as much of our resources as they wanted to sell on the global market, the price of gas in Australia was $3 a gigajoule. $3 a gigajoule. It's now nearly 10 times that price. So when we talk about National Cabinet creating a deal, bringing down power prices, putting caps on the inputs, that's coal and gas, of course, already made huge commitments on renewables, that's wind, that's offshore wind, solar, 
battery tech, all of that's already in the pipeline, but will take time to come on board. So when we talk about the, the way this process has come about, we need to understand that historical context, that for a decade, the Morrison government did nothing, more than 20 different energy policies over a 10-year period, nothing actually done, four times as much energy taken out of the network as was added to the network during the last coalition government. They have allowed profiteers to benefit from war, from supply crises, and from higher demand by consumers. What the Albanese Labor government has achieved here is a cap on gas to 12 gigajoules and a reduction in the wholesale power price from coal and gas-fired power. The suggestion is this will result in about $230 a year saving for households and small business. Some of the detail about how that's going to be worked out is going to be done at a state-by-state level. It's going to cost the Commonwealth about $1.5 billion. And quite frankly, I think it goes to show the cost and complexity of privatisation. Here we have a country in Australia with more coal and more gas than we need, than we even want to use. And yet we are going to spend $1.5 billion of taxpayer money subsidising household usage, small business usage, that will go to private companies because of the poor decisions made in the past. I think it's a great outcome for everyday ordinary Australians that this deal has been able to be made. And Parliament will resume next week, looks like just for a day, in order to uh, pass this uh, package of reforms. And But quite frankly, the coalition under Peter Dutton has been critical of this package, saying that it doesn't do enough and they need to put more supply into the system and so on and so forth. And quite frankly, they're a disgrace. More than 20 policies in 10 years of coalition government, they took more energy out of the system than they put in, they allowed corporations to profit and profit and profit. And quite frankly, the only, the only jurisdiction that has managed its energy resources properly has been WA, even in Queensland, where there is still quite a lot state-owned. There are problems that have come about because of periods of liberal mismanagement. Labor can only do so much to repair the damage. And what we're seeing now is at a Commonwealth level, a Labor government trying to hold back more than a decade of mismanagement from hitting everyday Australians. And what's Peter Dutton's response? His response is to attack the Labor government. 
households will be $230 a year better off as a result of this package. What's Peter Dutton's response? Well, why aren't they $270 a year better off? It just doesn't add up. The coalition has mismanaged energy resources at a Commonwealth and state level. And now, and now they want to criticize Labor for actually doing the work, recalling Parliament, bringing the parliamentarians back to pass laws. That means these price caps, these controls will come into place. Now, the controls apply to what's called uncontracted gas, and in some states, both uncontracted and some contracted coal. That basically means the spot price gets lowered. So if you've got a long-term contract, you know what you're paying because you contracted that well in advance. But if you need these resources on the day to fuel your uh, power station, then that's what's called the spot price. This mechanism will limit how high that price can go, which means there's a limit on what flows through to the consumer, to small business, to manufacturing, to people who need electricity to generate economic activity, to live, to power medical equipment, all the things that we need. And, you know, if 10 years ago the coalition had gone about adding more renewable energy to our network, building up state-owned, publicly-owned renewable energy assets, we may not be in this situation. We may not. But Peter Dutton was part of a government that spent a decade criticising renewable energy, spent a decade undermining the legitimacy of what is the cheapest form of energy generation available, that is renewables, did nothing to ensure the energy security of this country and, in fact, encouraged private corporations to sell our energy resources on the global market at prices up to 10 times what they were here at home, thus driving up our own prices in order to be able to buy our own resources back from those companies. Quite frankly, if I was Peter Dutton and Angus Taylor, I'd be hiding in a cave when that parliament is recalled because they have failed this country and now Anthony Albanese and the Commonwealth Labor government has to work with the states to clean up a decade of mess and mismanagement. I hope the bills pass. I hope the energy price relief flows through to people. And I hope that we get those renewables online as quickly as we possibly can and that we maintain, as we're now doing in Victoria, thanks to the SEC, State Electricity Corporation, we maintain public control. Because as WA shows us, public control means you don't have to submit to the whim and whimsy of multinational corporations and their all-too-powerful CEOs. Speaking of multinational corporations and their all-too-powerful CEOs, 
listeners of the week on Wednesday will know that the workers at Pampas have been on strike now for nearly three weeks. We will be speaking with some workers from Pampas who make pastries and also make uh, products for Zambrero, but who have been subjected to long-term insecure employment, rolling casualisation, rolling contracts, and now, of course, Pampas don't want to pay a decent wage. Now, you might think, well, they seem like a relatively small company when you look at what they've got on the shelves at the supermarket, but don't be fooled. Pampas is owned by Goodman Fielder. Now, that in itself was a $1.3 billion purchase, Goodman Fielder, by another company called Wilmar International. Wilmar International is a Singaporean food processing and investment holding company, and it has 300 subsidiary companies, of which Goodman Fielder is one, which includes Pampas, which includes Zambrero. Now, this is a company that has revenues, these are 2020 revenues, of $50.5 billion for the year. $50.5 billion. And that its profit was $1.7 billion in 2020. Now, Wilmar International is a massive multinational corporation. Over 100,000 people are in its direct workforce. <clears throat> it, has, it has supply chains that reach deep into all parts of the world. The founder of Wilmar International, a person by the name of Kwok Kun Hong, is the 12th richest person in Singapore. The company has been accused of using child labour and slave labour at its some of its palm oil plantations, that there have been human rights abuses in Indonesia and in Uganda. The workers at Pampas are facing off against this huge multinational conglomerate and we should all be supporting them. So we won't be going to Zambrero. We won't be using Pampas puff pastry or any kind of Pampas product until Pampas and Wilmar International come to the table and negotiate properly. Because these workers, many of whom have been with the company on rolling contracts for decades, deserve decent pay and conditions. It's not good enough for us to simply sit back and allow 
these massive multinational corporations to extend their tendrils into our community under the guise of brand names that have existed here for decades and then erode the wages and erode the conditions and erode the job security of workers here in our community. It's interesting to me that while Pampas is owned by Goodman Fielder, which in itself is owned by Wilmar, there are many, many products and many, many brands that you might be aware of that are owned by Wilmar. So to give you some other examples, there are Wilmar products in Kellogg's, in Nestle, in Magnum ice creams, in Colgate toothpaste, in Dove, the soaps and toiletries, in Kit Kats, in Pantene shampoo, and in Pot Noodle. We need to remember that these multinational corporations want to break workers and they have these large portfolios of brands that they can use to prop up their profits while they squeeze the workforce. So all of our solidarity goes out to the Pampas workers who are standing strong against a employer who has mistreated them, who refuses to properly negotiate, to bring a proper set of terms and conditions to the table, and that is itself owned by a large corporation in Goodman Fielder, which in turn is then owned by a massive multinational corporation. And until we properly understand the pervasive nature of this corporate greed, we will not be able to get a handle on it. Because let me tell you this, if Wilmar International gets away with slave labour and child labour in some parts of the world, that is how they would treat all of their workers if they would get away with it anywhere else. And we have to make sure that we push back and we support the Pampas workers in their struggle for decent wages and proper working conditions. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to speak with some of those workers directly uh, and talk about that on Wednesday's show. Until Wednesday, don't forget if you are in Sydney this coming week, you can see Van, a reading of Van's up and coming play, hopefully at the Sydney Theatre Company. Uh, you can check out online for details. Tickets are free for the reading. Uh, it's not a full production as yet. It's a uh, part of the development process, but you can check it out uh, on Friday uh, at six o'clock uh, down there near Circular Quay. Uh, check out online for ticket details. And of course, I will return with the final week on Wednesday episode where we'll hopefully have been able to speak with some of the Pampas workers uh, and we'll talk more about that story and we'll give a bit of a wrap up of the year before Van and I take a little bit of a break. Um, as regular listeners will know, it has been a very full-on year for us. I want to congratulate 
all of our listeners, all of the people who've got engaged, who've taken these podcasts, listened to them with friends, co-workers, who've joined their union, of course, like the Pampas workers themselves, you know, you can join your union, australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, you can join today. You know, the, the number of people who've told us they've joined their union after listening to one of our podcasts or got engaged, got involved, got active, it really makes it all worthwhile from our perspective. And of course, our Buy Me A Coffee supporters who have just helped us reach more and more people. Our little podcast is up there competing against the likes of, you know, Channel 9, uh, the ABC, SBS, but of course, some forces of evil uh, in there as well with Murdoch, uh, Steve Bannon, uh, you know, and we are absolutely punching above our weight when it comes to uh, the number of people who download and listen to The Week on Wednesday and The Weekend Wrap. And so congratulations to all of you who make that possible. Remember to like, share, comment, leave a review if you are listening on Apple. Uh, It does help other people find our podcast. And the more people who find it, the more people get the message. So until Wednesday, remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.